Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. Today, we're going to step out of our normal conversation as we continue to introduce y'all to other projects. Chris Polk told me about Jared Wall and his podcast, Best Practices, and the work he's doing, and I was immediately intrigued. Jared joins me today to discuss his project and so much more. Let's go. Yeah. Left, right, left, right, left. We got our marching orders, man. Left, right, left, right. We'd rather serve God than serve Caesar, you know me? Right, I'm just trying to live what he said. I'm just trying to live what he said. I ain't scared. I would take one to the head. Go ahead. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm good, Craig. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on the show. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, man. I was I've been looking forward to this conversation. What I wanted to talk to you about today, you you you've got a lot of interesting things that you've done in, in, with your life and stuff, and um, we'll talk about that, and then we'll get into your project best practices as well. But give us a little bit of background because there's so much more that you sent me in, through email that I want that I want to touch on as well before we get into best practices. So why don't we start there? Just tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll go from there. Sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, like you said, my name is Jared Wall. I'm uh, mid thirties. I've been married for about seven years. I've got a five year old and a three year old, and uh, I've been in the world. Uh, or my job has been in the energy efficiency world for about ten, twelve years, uh, designing and selling uh, LED lighting retrofit projects for. Uh, just any kind of business, pretty much, mostly industrial facilities, maybe commercial properties, retail centers, etc. But uh, I got into, you know, so I graduated college back in 2009, and at around that time, I was into the the Ron Paul presidential campaigns. I was a big supporter of his. Um, got really into that, especially the 2012 campaign. Um, there was I was living uh, back home in Syracuse, New York at the time and uh, got in with a group of other Ron Paul fans. So that was back when uh, meetup.com was really big. And uh, I, I went on there and found a Ron Paul meetup group at a, a local bar in Syracuse and became friends with those guys. And really for my, you know, for those first few years after college, my folk, you know, and after I had bought into the, uh, the libertarian kind of anarcho, uh, capitalism mindset or, or philosophy, ideology, whatever you want to call it. I I really got deep into, or, or I guess I shouldn't say deep into, but I started getting involved in kind of local electoral politics and kind of the activism lifestyle, and and you know thought that that's how I would contribute and do my part to you know win this fight against tyranny and you know all that. And so, you know, I did that for a while, uh, probably a good, uh, you know, one solid electoral season where I was working with a group of people going door to door, collecting signatures, trying to get people's names on ballots. And uh, one such experience um, in Syracuse, New York, it's, a, you know, as most cities are, it's a very uh, Democrat run city. And there was a merit mayoral election one year and the Republican party did not have a nominee for mayor. Um, so it was going to be, you know, just whoever won the democratic primary was going to basically just walk into the mayorship. One of the Ron Paul guys that we were friends with, uh, his dad was a pretty strong conservative, like a very, not a libertarian, but a very good conservative, like actually stood for things. And, uh, so we worked hard to get to collect enough signatures to get his name on the ballot uh, as a Republican. I, th I don't remember the exact numbers. I think it was they required 750 signatures and we got close to 1,000. And then when it went through the Board of Elections review, they knocked off, you know, 200 and some odd signatures for technicalities, you know, like somebody didn't dot the I in their name or some some nonsense like that. Or, you know, they're... they're 
they're registered with the government as, you know, for me, I'd be Jared N. Wall. But then if I only just wrote Jared Wall on my on the thing, they would discount it because I'm Jared N. Wall, not Jared Wall. Um, so all those reasons, they, they, they chopped it down. We had, like I said, we had, I don't remember the numbers. We had about a thousand. So we got him on the ballot by six signatures. Then after that, Onondaga County Republican Party, Onondaga County is the county that Syracuse sits in. The Onondaga County Republican Party took this man that we, we got on the ballot, took him to court to invalidate enough signatures such that his name would not be on the ballot. So the Republican Party took us to court to prevent us from getting a Republican candidate on the mayoral ticket, which after that happened, and you know, I, I went to the courtroom when it was going on. This guy was in the courtroom. He knew some of the other activists in the room, some of the other uh, guys that I was working with to collect signatures, but he didn't recognize me. And I sat down in the courts and he was kind of sitting on the other side, um, but we were close enough with an earshot. He turned to me, he's like, hey, who are you? I was like, oh, I'm, I'm Jared, who, who are you? And he was like, oh, I'm Tom Dady, party boss. Like, that's how he introduced himself to me. He just outed himself as part of the mafia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like, I'm a party boss. I was like, whoa, okay. I was like, well, what, why, uh, What's the deal? Why, why are we trying to kick, uh, kick him off the ballot here? And he just turned to me and he kind of looked out at me from like the corner of his eye, from out of the side of his eye. And he was like, do you know everything about him that there is to know? And I was like, I, I guess not. No. Like, he was like, yeah, there you go. Like, uh, I was like, okay. But anyways, so after that, I was just like, well, this is a bunch of nonsense. Um, just a complete waste of time. Uh, you know, if the Republican Party is actively fighting to keep Republican, you know, good Republican candidates off their the ticket, then, you know, what's going on here? And then also at the same time, I was paying deep attention to, you know, the, the, the presidential campaign where that was going on, the 2012 presidential campaign and Ron Paul, you know, getting screwed out of Iowa and then getting screwed out of New Hampshire. It was... You know, disheartening. But fortunately, at that time, I was, you know, I was listening to Tom Woods and I was reading a lot at the Mises Institute and Jeff Deist. And uh, they really started pushing the idea of entrepreneurship and personal development and focusing on what you can control versus what you can't control. And that was really. Uh, inspirational to me. And that's kind of the track that I've taken since then. Well, see, it's interesting. I'm listening to you talk when you said, you know, when you first got involved with it, you were trying to, and I'm paraphrasing, but you said work against tyranny, you know, maybe through politics. And you, you discovered very quickly. And I think a lot of people who've kind of gone, gone the same route discover very quickly that that's just not going to happen. It's, you know, once you try to get involved with that stuff, you get it, it's, it sounds good that, okay, we can get better candidates in there that's going to think like we do. But the problem is there's other people who don't think like they do. So you're putting somebody in power over somebody else that doesn't agree with them. And it really kind of flies in the face of liberty. So the whole idea of having a government or a state, there's never going to be true liberty with that involved. And so once you start understanding how they're all kind of in cahoots with one another, you saw the corruption firsthand right there sitting in court, you know, and it's just we, we me, you and I sat here and talked for about 15 minutes before we started recording and just kind of get to know each other a little bit because it's the first time we've actually had a chance to speak. And I mentioned to you, once I walked away from all that garbage, it released a whole lot of stress in my life where I stopped worrying about who's sitting in the White House or who my state rep was or who was in Congress. I just don't care. Now, every once in a while, when, when I'm speaking to somebody who's kind of new to that, the ideals of what I'm talking about or what we talk about with this show or just in the same circles, you kind of kind of meet them where they're at and you can talk to them about some of this stuff and just let them figure it out on their own. And once they figure out, they see the corruption, they start walking away from themselves. And I think that's really how we achieve true liberty is when we finally walk away from all of this. You have to walk away from it. If you, and once we walk away from all of it, then they lose their power. They're, they have no more power without our support. And the more people that do that, the, the, the more power they lose. And I think you're right, what you were talking about, you know, kind of controlling only what you can control in your area or in your life. That's the best, that's the actually the best route we can take, in my opinion, because 
if you're worried so much about what's going like I live in Tennessee, if I'm worried about what's going on outside of Tennessee, I can't control that anyway. I, I can only control what's in my neighborhood or in my in my household. OK, and then it just kind of goes from there. So you seeing that that kind of corruption, I mean, it'll blow your mind and it makes you it really I've talked to a lot of people. I don't know if you're familiar with Lily Forrester. She was she's a part of Anarcho Poco and stuff. And she was part back in the day, part of the Ron Paul thing. And she saw what the same corruption you were talking about in 2012. She goes, I'm done with this. There's no point in spending any time giving them my agency or spending any time with this because it's exhausting and it's got not going anywhere. You know, and, and, and people who've listened to this show know that I did not get to where I'm at by through Ron Paul. A lot of people have. I did not. I, at the time, I was just not, did not, I didn't like him because I thought he was unpatriotic. But at the same time, I was a neoconservative rooting for Ted Cruz, you know, you know, in 2016 and all this stuff. So I was, I was really messed up. But I, looking back on the stuff Ron Paul was saying and doing then, I, I get it now. I just did not get to where I'm at through Ron Paul. A lot of people did. Yeah, I think I was kind of lucky in that sense. I mean, like I said, it was I was in college at the time when I first learned of him, and I was a pretty big pothead at the time. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, my, my one of my roommates basically he was like, "Hey, check out this this video. There's a you know, check out this debate. There's there's two guys running." who are talking about legalizing weed, but then he's like, then check, but one of them is talking about legalizing all drugs. It's like, like check that guy out. And so I, that's you know, the first video I watched was, you know, something about uh, Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich going about, going back and forth, trying to basically one up each other as to, you know, who was going to legalize more drugs <laughs> than the other one. <laughs> that's hilarious. And you know, after that, after that video, I kind of just went down the rabbit hole, and then I kind, I, I got, I looked forward to after every debate. I don't know who was there was some somebody doing God's work out there who was chopping up the debates and just clipping together all of Ron Paul's speaking moments into a like a highlight video, so you didn't have to listen through all of the three hours of nonsense. You could get the the ten minutes of gold. Um, that were in there. Yeah, kind of pursuing the the entrepreneurial path is what, as a libertarian, as uh, you know, an anarchist, and now you know, as as kind of someone who's growing in the the Christian faith, what we want is freedom. Um, and I don't think we're going to get freedom begging for it from politicians. I think we're going to get freedom by trying to to earn as much wealth as we can and become geographically free, maybe not being tied to a location, maybe um, having the ability to maybe uh, look overseas if, 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 if that's what you're, what you're into. You know, for instance, my wife is from Kenya um, and we've got two young kids and it's a big goal of ours to have our children be able to grow up at least a part of their childhood in Kenya. Um, and so that freedom to do that, only a part of it is related to political freedom. You know, a big part of that is related to my financial freedom. And yeah, yeah, I mean, there is a big aspect of financial freedom associated with what I'm talking about there, you know, with, you know, customs and immigration and moving back and forth from one country to another and tax laws and all that. And it is a bunch of nonsense and it can get very annoying. But there, you know, the that kind of freedom, having the ability to, you know, achieve that goal, provide my children with that kind of upbringing, it's it's a freedom that we can achieve, but only by focusing on ourselves. And you know, if I was, if I was running around, uh, you know, trying to get people elected as opposed to trying to become the best expert that I can be, the be, you know the developing my network of contacts as best as I can or building a side hustle or supporting my wife and her side hustles. Um, that's, that's the, the answer. That's the way that I can give the most to my family. Um, and that's the way that I think that's the only way towards overcoming, you know, the challenges that we face in the state controlled world that we live in. I kind of got the feeling just through our email interaction that you were you had some libertarian ideals and stuff and and with the folks that you that you know in the in the same circles and and stuff. I didn't know you were an anarchist. And also when we were talking before we started recording, you mentioned um 
your your faith. And when I said in the intro, this is going to step out of the norm, it looks like we're going to be able to tie some of this stuff in that we normally talk about on the bad Roman. So I, I want to touch on on the on the faith aspect of it in a second. But something in your email and kind of really caught my attention as well. And it's your how you know Scott Horton and the, and the work he did with Scott Horton as well. He's been on the show a couple of times. I, I, I'm a huge fan of 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 him because he can break down American foreign policy like nobody I've ever heard. But it sounds like you were able to help him with some of this stuff, you know, in one of his books. So I want let's start there, and then then we'll just we'll touch on the faith aspect, and then we'll get into the uh, best practices. Yeah, th- um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. Scott has become a good friend of mine over the last couple of years, and uh, uh, you know, in addition to just being very well. Not, you know, extremely knowledgeable about everything, and he he's a great interviewer. Um, I love listening. You know, his his podcast is probably the only one that, since I've started listening to it, I have listened to every single episode that he's put out. I just love listening to him. I love the way he, not only his take on foreign policy, but even his his take on like libertarian political philosophy in general. Like he's very in the, in the foreign policy world. I guess in the anti war world, there's a lot of leftist people in there a lot of you know kind of uh that that leading kind of a person and he's very patient and capable of talking with those kind of people while not giving up his you know his his free market economic libertarian um ideals but anyways so scott horan i reached out to him just randomly one time uh basically saying, hey, you've recommended all of these books over the years as I've been listening to you that I've read. I've loved all of them. Do you have a place where you have just a list of books that you recommend? And then he emailed me back with his phone number just saying, hey, call me. And I was like, oh, awesome. I get to talk to Scott Horton now. That's that's cool. Um, and I called him and he was like, hey, uh, so I'm working on this book right now called Enough Already. And I'm trying to do a whole bunch of research for it. Can I give you some books to read basically on my behalf? Do some research for me for that book. And I was like, yeah, awesome. And he was like, okay, what, you know, he, he was like, it's about all the terror wars. Is there a particular terror war that you're interested in? And I was like, well, my wife's Kenyan. I'd, you know, I'd be interested in Somalia. I'd be interested in Libya, you know, kind of the, the stuff that's been going in Nigeria, Niger, all that kind of stuff, Mali. He was like, great. He sent me a list of books and uh, I read them and, and now my name will forever be in the acknowledgements section of his Enough Already book, which which I'm proud of. That is very cool. Yeah. And then after that, so, you know, kind of along my uh, entrepreneurial journey, one of the one of the detours that I've taken um, was to get into the cannabis industry. Uh, I learned of... Uh, Delta 8 THC cannabis, which is basically um, legal weed. Uh, it's, it's The market figured out a way to provide THC-containing cannabis in a legal way or in a technically legal way. I guess I should say in a technically not illegal way. So I created an e-commerce website and, and, and built a business around that. And uh, all during that same time as I was building that business... Scott Scott and I had maintained contact and had kind of gotten gone back and forth a few times and I suggested to him the idea of because uh, he had already put out um, a book called The Great Ron Paul, which was a collection of interviews that he had done with Ron Paul. Uh, I said, why don't you put out a couple you know some other books that are just you know collections of your interviews transcribed? Um, and I, I just threw out some ideas. I was, you could do a book about Yemen. You could do a book about Libya. You could do a book about uh, nukes. Um, and he was like, oh, nukes, that's a good idea. And so I kind of like jumped on that. And we never really revisited the conversation. But ever since he, you know, kind of indicated that he liked the idea, I went, I found a whole bunch of episodes that he had recorded about nuclear weapons, about the threat of nuclear war, about activist groups, protesting nuclear weapons, et cetera, things like that. And for about two years in my free time, I was transcribing his episodes. And then eventually I just sent it to him. And it was it was only about half done from what it ultimate it had ended up turning into his new book that he just put out, Hotter Than the Sun, um, which is a collection of interviews all about nuclear weapons. I think the the subtitle is Time to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. 
Um, but my name is actually on the title page of that book. It, it's, uh, you know, by Scott Horton, transcriptions by Jared Wall. Um, you know, it's really cool. I guess I, I say that to say that after I sent that to him, he was all grateful. We went back and forth a couple of times, adding, you know, other interviews and kind of rearranging it. And we went back and forth with the editing a few times. But then in the meantime, I had launched my, my cannabis e-commerce website, uh, which was called The Hempspot, THC, hempspot.com. Um, don't go there now. Right now it's, it's shut down. He had me on his show to interview me about what it was. It was almost kind of an infomercial um, for me, but then he ended up advertising for me for, for years, um, for, 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 I guess for 18 months, um, for as long as I had the business running. And uh, so him and I have had a great relationship. We're actually working on uh, another book of transcriptions right now. That's kind of go- speaking to, as opposed to focusing on politics and elections, one of the things that I've been focusing on is networking and getting to know more people and just trying to develop relationships that are meaningful and also valuable and beneficial. And that relationship that I was able to develop with Scott is one that I'm, I'm very, uh, I, I place a high value on. Well, I mean, that's incredible, man, because like I said, listening to Scott Horton, and I, I told you this in the you know before we started recording, reaching out to him, I, and I, I messaged Pete Quinona to try to, to figure out how to get in touch with Scott Horton. And I, I said, I want to talk to him because I want, I want Christians to understand what anti-war actually means. Because if you go back to the, the teachings of Christ in the early church, they were, they were all anti-war. And, and he, you know, over 2,000 years later, the church is not anti-war. They speak to it. But they're also about supporting, I guess, depending on who's in office. You know, if, you know, Biden's in office right now. If Trump was in office and he was consider, he was continuing that genocide in Yemen. Yemen's a soft spot for me. That's what I wanted to talk to Scott Horton about originally was was Yemen. They, but they just glossed over the fact that Trump was continuing that, or they just never pay any attention to it. You know, and Biden had talked about ending it. Biden never ended it. He's ramped it up from 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 all accounts and. But getting Scott Horton on, who is not a Christian, but he could talk about the anti-war side of it and getting Christians to understand just what's going on in other countries that Christians should not be supporting regardless of who's in office. It doesn't matter if you voted for Trump or Biden, if you're a Christian. It doesn't matter. We should not be killing people in other countries. That's not anything that Jesus would uh, endorse at all whatsoever. And so getting Scott Horton's take on it on the show and and I don't know how many people listen to it that like we have our regular listeners, but the fact that they could share this these episodes with other people to get them to understand what's going on in the world as far as war is concerned, that's really what I want to do. So they could share these episodes. Who these folks may have never heard of Scott Hort, but they could hear him talk about foreign policy, and he describes uh, the Yemen war as a war of genocide. And when you listen to Scott Hort and break it down. It's genocide, and the United States government is complicit in this genocide. It started with Obama, went through Trump, now it's with Biden. You know, and Christians really need to take that to heart, in my opinion. And a lot of folks who follow this project, you know, feel the same way that we we have to pay attention to that stuff. And Scott Wharton is is go. He's a he's a wealth of information when it comes to this stuff. You know, I guess he's had folks like you help him along the way to kind of put some of this stuff together as well. So that's that's really cool that y'all kind of work together to get all this out there. Yeah, and you know, he actually even offered to to he's got uh, the Libertarian Institute um, as as uh, kind of a foundation or a, I don't know an institute that he runs five hundred one c three type type organization, and he he offered to to put me on the payroll there um, for for a while to to do and. I accepted for a short while, but then I kind of, you know, I kept seeing him, you know, doing fundraisers for it and whatnot. I was like, man, you know, I don't really need this little bit of extra money. You know, I'd rather just, you know, put my name in it and, and, you know, maybe, you know, let's just keep being friends kind of, kind of, kind of a thing. Uh, and I don't, I don't need maybe in the future if, uh, 
you know, if I leave my my day job to to pursue that, you know, life of geographic freedom that I was talking about, maybe I'll reach out to him in the future and say, hey, you know, I'd like to get a little bit more serious on helping you out. Maybe I'll take it up on then, make, take him up on it then. But, uh, you know, where I'm at now, it wasn't something that I needed. But um, I mean, to, to your point, yeah, Scott is is great. And one of the things that I've seen him do is... So I saw him speak uh, at a Libertarian Party um, state convention a few years back. Uh, I attended as a vendor to basically hawk my, my Delta 8 cannabis products to, to Libertarians. Um, but he was there speaking at it, and so him and I got to hang out for a little while. Um, but he got into it outside of it with somebody who uh, probably would classify themselves as a Christian, but basically was coming at him on his anti-war stuff by saying like, oh, but what about the Muslims kind of a thing? <laughs> um, and so he was he was very capable of, you know, having that not really theological discussion, but I mean, he's, he's well-versed enough. You know, you're right. He's not a Christian, but he's well-versed enough to understand that Christians should be anti-war. And, you know, Mohammed doesn't, you know, say kill everybody who's, you know, kill the infidels kind of a thing. It's, it's not just that. And, you know, he's, he's, he's very good at being nuanced, but also being very principled. Yeah. That's, and I gathered that from talking to him as well, because he, he would even bring up some stuff in scripture because he, he knows enough about the Bible, even without being a Christian. And a lot of people who are not Christians know enough about the teachings of Christ where they respect the teachings of Christ to know that Jesus would not be condoning any of the wars going on. He knows enough about it to speak to it. And that's that's impressive to me as well when, when folks who don't claim Christianity, but they can still speak to it because they know enough. You know, Jesus is universal. If you take, if you know, if you really go back to what Jesus was saying, then you understand very quickly that he would be anti-war. He was still anti-war. I mean, it, it was love, you know, that whole love your your neighbor and your enemy type thing. That stuff's glossed over. And I think Ron Paul even talked about that in the debate, you know, the golden rule, you know, do unto others, you know. So, yeah, well, you know, that's funny you said that because I was one of the ones booming him. Like I said, I but I wasn't at the debate. I was just, you know, on my couch watching the debates. But like I said, I was a card carrier on Neocon. So I was one booing him like this guy's not patriotic. He's not supporting our troops. I, that's the mentality I was in at the time. I'm no longer, obviously, in that mentality. But the uh, the the Scott Horton take on all this stuff is I don't I've not heard anybody else be able to speak to it the way he does, and it's, it's like it just rolls out of his. I can't imagine what's going on in his head constantly with this stuff. Like he's got his, his brain got has got to be exploding at some point with all this information he has, and he just he gets it out. And I, I think more and more people are starting to listen to it. I hope especially on the Christian side. I hope on the Christian side of people are starting to reach out and, and try to understand or listen to this stuff and, and understand where we've got it wrong this whole time for since Constantine, you know? So talking about that, you mentioned him, Spot. Let's, let's touch on this real quick. Then I want to get into the faith uh, side, your faith side, and then we'll get into best practices. But tell me what happened with him, Spot. You mentioned that in email a little bit, and we talked about it a little bit before we started recording. Tell me what happened with that, why you're no longer running that business. Yeah, well, we launched that, uh, what, maybe May or June of 2021. And, you know, we I just kind of jumped right into it. Um, and so I opened up a, uh, a business banking account with a local credit union uh, here in North Carolina where I'm at. Um, and I uh, built a website and I got it set up with PayPal to, to accept, um, you know, credit cards. And then uh, I launched basically with my appearance on the Scott Horton show. And in like the five or six weeks after that first interview, um, and he had started, he was inter he was advertising for me as well. Um, it was it had grown pretty quickly. I mean, it was grossing uh, about a thousand dollars a week um, there within the first five or six weeks. You know, which wasn't enough to draw a salary from by any means, but it was enough that it was it was paying for itself and it was growing and, you know, my inventories were able to, to be maintained by, by the business. But I did not realize that the bank banking and payment processing firms out there are very 
leery of doing business with anybody in the cannabis industry. I don't exactly know why. I mean, my speculation is that they're just kind of fearful of potential litigation from politicians and bureaucrats, which, you know, fighting politicians and bureaucrats in the courts that the politicians and bureaucrats own doesn't go well for anybody. Um, So I don't really blame them for not wanting to, you know, risk that kind of confrontation. But it's still, you know, it still was annoying for me in that, you know, six weeks after we launched, uh, we received an email. I want to say it was on a Tuesday morning at like 3.30 in the morning. I woke up and I saw this email on my phone from PayPal that our that they don't do business with cannabis, anybody in the cannabis industry and that our PayPal account had been permanently and immediately disabled and all funds that were in that account had been confiscated. So you, overnight, we've lost about, I don't know, it was six or $800, something like that. And our e-commerce website could no longer accept payment. So we were dead in the water. Uh, and then a few days after that, the our credit union that I had set up a, a business account with called and basically said the same thing. They were like, hey, what line of business are you in exactly? And I was like, Delta 8 Cannabis. And they were like, yeah, we don't do business with cannabis. You're going to have to close your account. Um, and so I did that. And then it took us about seven to eight weeks of research and trying to figure out another solution before we got back online, before we got new a new bank that was willing to do business with us and a new payment processor that was willing to do business with us. And the only reason we were able to find that is because, because the market is awesome, I guess, for lack of a better, you know, lack of a better uh, explanation. Um, a business had realized that there was an opportunity to connect businesses that were operating in so-called high-risk environments, guns, pawn shops, vape, cannabis. Those are all considered high-risk businesses. This company specialized in partnering high-risk businesses with financial institutions. Um, And so they got us partnered with a bank. They got us partnered with a payment processor and we were back up and running. Unfortunately, being down for, you know, almost two months, pretty much all of the customers that we had started, you know, building up in the beginning had gone elsewhere and you know it's really hard to get people to come back once they've once they've figured once they've it's like if 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 uh if facebook started crashing regularly and you know people would just stop going to facebook and use something else you know it's like that with especially a maybe facebook's a bad example but a smaller you know more up and coming website like rumble for instance or, or odyssey you know if if they started having outage issues or if they were just gone for two months then then people they would be they would cease to exist and that's essentially what happened to us we had to kind of start building from scratch i was able to get myself on the pete quinones show uh i was able to get myself on tom woods uh, a few other podcasts to kind of help start building that up um but then just uh five or six weeks ago the end of 2022 middle of december 2022 i got an email from my bank that they were changing their compliance requirements um, and that any product that we had for sale on our website had to have a third-party lab analysis test, um, which is fine. I already had that for all of my products, but they were requiring it now to be updated every 12 months. And those tests can cost between $200 and $1,000 per test. And I probably had... 50 to 100 different products and different variations of products on my website. So, you know, just a little multiplication tells you what kind of expense that was going to be. And it was, uh, but that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back uh, that we decided, okay, we're, we've, we, we tried and I think we're going to try something else. Um, and so we had kind of a going out of business sale. We actually were very successful in selling out of all of our inventory and kind of recapitalizing all of that, which we were happy about. And then uh, kind of almost uh, cherry on top, the day after, so we we, we shut down on, on New Year's Eve, midnight New Year's Eve. Um, and then on New Year's Day, 
we got an email from somebody saying, hey, tell me more about your business. I might be interested in buying you out. Uh, and so we got into a conversation and a week or two later, he ended up buying um, the website and the domain name and my, my client list. And so we were able to, to cash out of the business more successfully than we were hoping for. So kind of a happy ending to a frustrating story. Um, but, uh, you know, that was my experience there. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty disappointing. I mean, just the fact that this what the stigma with this stuff, I don't I don't get it anymore. And I told you that we're going to do an episode on, on uh, marijuana here coming up at some point as well. And I I just don't understand it anymore that I don't get it. I mean, it's a plant that does. I don't understand the why. Why at this point in 2023 that we're there's so much going on and it has to it has to be the state involved with it. I mean, I can't. I can't blame anybody else on if it wasn't for all of that. I, I don't think people would really care what you were doing with it. You know, it's yeah. I mean, as I was involved, you know, part of what I did from a marketing standpoint for that business was uh, was email marketing, and and not just you know the kind of email marketing that uh, that the, you know people like Tom Woods kind of espouse, where you know you tell a story, you get people engaged, and, and then you kind of just make a, a small pitch at the end, you know, kind of a transition, but you know give people a reason to open the email because you're going to provide some kind of entertaining or informative or educational, valuable content of some kind. And so I, w- I bought myself this book called, called Smoke Signals. And it's basically just a history of cannabis in the USA. And it's fantastic. It's actually really, really, really well done. And so I would just open up that book to like any page and find a story and, you know, Put that story into my own words and use that as a marketing email. Um, but you're exactly right. I mean, the history of how the cannabis plant came to have such a crazy stigma is entirely because of the state. Um, you know, back in the in the 1800s, it was a regularly used and accepted medicine. You know, it was never called marijuana until a, a kind of a propaganda campaign in the in the in the 30s to, to when they started pushing to make it illegal. And, the, you know, marijuana is a more ethnic sounding term than cannabis. And so they used that to kind of tie it with Mexican immigrants and violence and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the stigma has stuck for close to 100 years since then. I will say that pretty much everywhere, the stigma, at least socially, is being eliminated. Like my my parents <laughs> are both like cool with it now. Um and, uh, you know, for me as someone I used to get in trouble as a, you know, junior, senior in high school for that reason. Now, you know, I'm having conversations with my parents about, you know, hey, uh, you know, maybe uh, dementia sim- symptoms or whatever that you might be starting to struggle with. Maybe uh, maybe try some CBD pills or, or something like that. And, and they've been open to it. Right. My, my mom loves this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. But I mean, you're right. It is. It's just a plant, you know, and it's a God-given plant. And it's it's got such potential for providing for human prosperity. I mean, it's it, it grows anywhere. It grows virtually for free. It doesn't take a whole lot of uh, input to get a lot of output from it in terms of, you know, mass of, you know, cannabis not even just the flower that you smoke to get high, but the stalks and the every part of it is useful, whether it's for clothing or for ropes, or you can make plastics out of it. You can make cement out of it. You can make all kinds of building materials out of it and uh, could, could do so very cheaply. And so I think there is kind of a, I think another aspect, I think there is a bit of a, a crony capitalist, um, phenomenon working against the plant that there's a lot of vested interests who would be in position to maybe uh, not do so well if cannabis were just fully you know let loose well and just just the health benefits that it has that 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 we're that we're starting to recognize we're not maybe we've been recognizing it's just start every people more people are talking about it you know it's one of those things too like we saw with covid Anything that was going to be beneficial to to people's health during COVID, they, the state didn't tell anybody about it. They weren't pushing exercise and healthy eating habits and none of that stuff, or or, or taking supplements to kind of fight off this stuff. And they weren't pushing none of that stuff. They started pushing a vaccine and wearing masks and staying indoors, staying out of the sunlight, not socializing. That's all unhealthy. Every bit of that was unhealthy. 
And so the idea that the marijuana itself can, can provide some health benefits, the state will have none of that. And, and that's, that, that should go to show anybody that, we, that what we saw with the COVID stuff and what we're seeing with marijuana, that, that the state is saying it's not beneficial to do these things. You should probably do those things because we know very well that the state does not care about us. They do not have our best interest in mind, you know, so that's, it's so strange to me, man. You know, I, I, there was a time in my life where when I lived in Arkansas and I was still an active voter and they, it came up on the ballot about marijuana. There was two different bills they were trying they had on the ballot and this court struck one down that was really going to be a pretty decent bill. And they kept the one that was actually going to benefit the state more than anything. And it's just garbage. It's just garbage. But I, at the time, I voted against all of it because I was like, marijuana is the devil's lettuce. You know, that was my mentality. We can't have any of this stuff. I'm still in that mindset, you know, but it's, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it anymore. It is, we got to let people do what they want to do. If they're not harming you, then what do you care? What do they, what do you care? I mean, it's, it doesn't, it's just a plant. <laughs> I mean, come on, God, and everything, God gave us these plants and there was a reason why. I mean, so, you know, if it was me, and I told you this before we started recording, I would I would love to be able to smoke some marijuana or some cannabis or whatever you want to call it. But there's still that stigma where like if I got hurt at work and it's in my system, then I lose my job. So it's just not worth it to me to risk that. Now, if that ever changes and I've had folks tell me they're like, well, they're never going to drug test you unless you get hurt. I said, yeah, but I'm that person, that one person that would actually get hurt with that stuff in my system and I'd lose my job. If anybody's going to, if it's going to happen to anybody, it's going to happen to Craig. Yeah. I mean, there, there is the point that people make that, you know, uh, you know, the gateway drug and, and problems with addiction and, and whatnot. And, you know, there's, there's, there's legitimate arguments to be made there, but I don't think there's a legitimate argument to be made that therefore we need the state to pass all these laws and lock people in jail. If, they don't obey kind of a thing. I think, you know, yes, there can be a problem with abuse and addiction and whatnot. The solution to that is on the, at the family level, at the community level, at the church level, you know, to, to intervene with love as opposed to intervening with handcuffs. Right. There you go. Hey folks, Craig here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors have no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page. And you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, and send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. Well, let's talk about that. You mentioned the church. Let's talk about this for a second, and then we'll get into best practices. Let's, let's talk to me about your faith a little bit. I was really kind of curious if this would ever come up, because I didn't know anything about you, about your faith side of it. So let's talk about that a little bit. Where are you at as far as your faith? I know you said you you told me that you you were raised Catholic and you kind of got away from with it from or got away from it. I'm sorry, and then now you're kind of coming back to just kind of understanding the teachings of Christ. Yeah, man. I mean, that's pretty much exactly it. I, I was raised very, I guess I, I don't know if saying hardcore Catholic is the right way to 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 phrase it, but uh, you know, church every Sunday, um, Sunday school and confirmation and and you know. Had to go to confession pretty regularly, uh, despite you know being a little kid without you know really having you know much reason to to confess all that often. But uh, I don't know. I just it kind of it was never a choice for me growing up. Um, it was just an expectation. And then when I got the freedom that you know it wasn't forced on me anymore, I just I just chose not to. But then, you know, since I've gotten married and since I've had kids, you know, my wife is is a Christian and I've just found the value in finding a something that's greater than it because I want I want to be the best husband I can be. I want to be the best father I can be. And so, but I don't have I don't think I have it inside of me to just know what that means. You know, what does it mean to be the best father? What does it mean to be the best husband? Um, and so I was kind of looking for 
uh, a mentor or a guide or, or uh, a role model for that. And uh, they don't really exist in the world. I mean, there is because everybody has flaws. And like, as much as I might admire somebody, there's always that thing where like, yeah, but you know, but they suck in that area or, you know, they're, they're, they, <laughs> you, know, you know, but they do this, that really, that I just would never do kind of a thing. You know, my wife, you know, the Bible had always kind of intimidated me. My wife gave me just a very small, almost like pocket sized, uh, new Testament. And she was like, well, why don't you just read the gospel? Um, you know, the, 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 the Bible, you know, reading the Bible from beginning to end is very daunting. But why don't you just read the gospel? Read read about Jesus. And reading, I'm, I'm still, um, I, I just started um, John, I think, the, four, the fourth gospel. And uh, I got to say, Luke is my favorite so far. But um, it's just been, it's been great. I mean, it's been that role model that you're kind of looking for of like, oh, I want to be the best father. Fa- you know, the best human, the best, I want to do right as often as I possibly can for my wife and for my children that I need to do what Jesus was doing. There you go. It's, you know, I, 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 I don't, I still really don't like going to church, you know, going to a building and listening to a preacher and kind of like, I, I feel, I don't know. I just, I, there's something about it that I just can't get into, but I do I do like reading the gospel so far and probably my next step is going to be trying to figure out and and exploring and trying to learn how to pray a little bit more. Like I don't, that would be something that would be new to me. I have a, I have a cousin who's a, uh, a Catholic priest who's actually, a, he's a Latin mass Catholic priest. He, he kind of disassociated himself from the, the Catholic state, you know, church hierarchy and kind of, is kind of his own separate thing now doing a Latin mass. But I was kind of talking to him about this last time we were together and he suggested a book uh, about um, kind of learning what the spiritual life is and what prayer is so far, you know, and so that's, that's uh, probably next on the, on the shelf here um, as far as books to read. But really as far as, as far as prayer for me goes right now, it's, pretty much just been confined to the Lord's prayer and then maybe just, you know, kind of asking for help in, in an area that I, uh, but you know, I, it's, that's part of the, the journey that I'm still kind of learning, but I guess that's where I am currently. I need, I know that, I know that it's hard to logically get to a universal morality or a universal truth without some kind of universal connecting force and you know i i I can see jesus and god and and christianity as that connecting force i gotta say something and you said something your wife when she was just she said just just read jesus she's speaking my language i gotta tell you that right now because like you said reading the bible from beginning to end is daunting and what, what I've tried to do with this show, and it's what I've done with my own faith, is just get back to the very basics of Jesus. And then everything else kind of works itself out, and, and from what I can tell and in my own life. You know, just get back to the very basic teachings of Christ, and then let's see what happens. And let's go from there. But when she said that, just, just read Jesus. I think that every Christian, and I don't care how long a person's been a Christian, should just get back to Jesus. I love what she told you. Just 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 to start with Jesus. And let's see what else, you know, what, what happens after that. And that's, that's, that's the best advice anybody could give a new Christian or even an old Christian, you know, just get back to Jesus because a lot of Christians these days have even gotten away from the teachings of Christ himself. Yeah, man. And it's, it's really, like I said, it's been great. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I, I was, uh, she walked into the bedroom, um, the other day I was sitting there reading it and she was like, what you doing? I was like, I'm just reading about that dude. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> she kind of laughed, but like, I was kind of, it's almost like exciting. Like you, you, like he was so like, it was so cool. Like he just walked from place to place with nothing, preaching, just saying words 
And his words were so inspirational that people would stop what they were doing and follow him by the thousands. Right. Like that's, and like give him anything that they had to give him, you know, like all of the oil that they would just dump it on his head or, you know, whatever. Imagine being like, I can see how it ultimately culminated in the crucifixion because, like, imagine being the Roman government at that time. And then there's just this guy walking around. And he can speak for five or 10 minutes and get everybody to be like, yep, that's the guy that I'm following. He's my leader now. Not, you know, not these, these Romans over here, but you know, that dude, like it, I, I can see how they were threatened by that. Um, but I also, uh, I love kind of like the, <laughs> the, the anarchist kind of uh, aspect of that. I mean, it varies. It really, you know, kind of venturing into Christianity, but with, almost like a, an anarchist libertarian root that, you know, that's what, that was where I was, that was what my biggest interest was for the last decade. Like I've read so many, you know, you can see the bookshelf behind me. All of that is just libertarian and history and economics books. But now I'm like, okay, well, I've got that. There's something more. And uh, I think, I think faith is that something more. That's awesome. And I got to tell you, man, just listening to you talk, I've, I'm grinning like a possum on the outside and on the inside. I mean, I love listening to folks talk like this, you know, especially, you know, you're just kind of coming back to it or just new to it and just hearing you say that. I think you can get more wisdom from somebody who's just trying to learn this stuff than from folks who've been in it for so long because, you know, you can get bogged down or, you know, just get, I don't know, burnt out or whatever, but somebody new to you, like you said, it's exciting and it should be exciting. The teachings of Christ should be very exciting to us. You know, like you mentioned, there, there's a there's a saying when, when they were saying that Jesus is king, that meant Caesar is not. So with Jesus walking around with this language of love your neighbor and love your enemy in itself was just a subversion of the state itself and the state couldn't stand it. And it culminated in his death, you know, from religious leaders and the empire. You know, the, the empire and the religious leaders worked together to murder Jesus because of his subversion of the state, you know, and he was saying things that religious leaders were not good or they weren't cool with it either, you know, so they were, he was taking power from the, from Caesar and from the Pharisees, but all he was doing was talking about love your neighbor and love your enemy, man. I love this. I love how this, this conversation has kind of flowed, you know, into this, this right now, but before I let you go, tell me about best practices. What I because what I wanted to do with this uh, series of episodes is get people familiar with other podcasts out there. I, I was listening to I don't know if you ever listened to Joe Rogan, but I was listening to him the other day, and I don't know if this number is accurate still or not, but something over like two million podcasts out there. And some people will say, well, that's just there's just too many podcasts, you know. And I I have a different opinion. I think we should flood the arena with as many podcasts as we can because I'm of the opinion also that the more podcasts we can we can have the more people start pulling away from corporate media and we're seeing it people are sick of corporate media but they're wanting to get some information from somewhere so they're latching on to podcasts so what i want to do with this is get people more familiar with other podcasts because not everybody's going to be listening to bad roman and just sit around and wait for another two weeks and wait for another bad roman podcast to come out they're going to go listen to other podcasts i mean that's all i listen to is podcasts if i'm not listening to music right so the idea of getting other projects out in front of people's you know faces on the bad Roman, they'll give them something to listen to in the meantime while they're waiting on the bad Roman to you know publish another episode. So tell us a little bit about uh, best practices. Yeah, I appreciate that. So um, best practices is my podcast. It's uh, I guess the the subtitle of the podcast would be uh, expert ways to own and operate industrial facilities and commercial properties, and uh, kind of like an extension of, you know, my entrepreneurial efforts. Um, this is kind of a, a personal development, professional development kind of effort of mine. You know, I've been, like I mentioned earlier, I've been in the world of designing LED lighting retrofits for industrial facilities uh, and commercial properties for a long time. And so I've been in and out of thousands of those kind of facilities, um, you know, from as small as, you know, just a local kind of mop and mom and pop, you know, maybe auto shop to as big as a half a million square foot manufacturing plant, manufacturing facility. In developing those projects and in those years, I've met other people in the, you know, in the industrial space, uh, 
And uh, I kind of launched this podcast as really as kind of a way to the, to brand myself and to market myself as an expert in the in the industrial world. And so we don't, you know, LED lighting is my thing. And so we've got a couple of episodes on on that. Uh, but then we've got episodes on pretty much just every aspect of anything related to the industrial or commercial environment uh, as far as buildings are concerned. So I've had I've got an episode um, with uh, a guy who owns an asphalt and concrete repair company and they developed a pretty unique uh, solution that, that that makes their services better and cheaper and less intrusive than than their competitors services. So I found that interesting. I, I had an episode with a guy who specializes in making uh, refrigeration equipment as efficient as possible. You know, and by refrigeration equipment, I mean like big refrigerated warehouses or large-scale walk-in coolers, walk-in freezers that you would see in grocery stores or in, in convenience stores or uh, liquor stores, etc. I've interviewed our, our mutual friend Chris Polk a couple of times uh, about the trucking industry and, and what you know what's involved in in moving goods from you know from an industrial facility to a commercial property for for instance you know from the from where it was manufactured to where it's going to be sold and so yeah I mean part of my job you know my job is kind of a sales role and so there's always a business development aspect of it there's always you know, trying to, to grow the pipeline aspect of it. And so, you know, I mentioned before we started recording about how I had quit social media, you know, just for a few reasons. Um, but the only social media that I still do participate in is LinkedIn and and really just for professional um, reasons. I don't, you know, it is starting to get more Facebook-like and that there are more and more mm, politically charged posts on there, but I just scroll right by those. And, you know, I... I I, my focus on there is just to to put myself out there as the you know the guy to go to if you need um, new lights if you want if you're considering switching over to LED lighting or if you're just considering energy efficiency improvements to your facility in general. Um, I like to think that I've got a pretty good uh, kind of a unique. At, um, viewpoint on that from a from having such a long experience in the field but also b from having kind of the the austrian economic mindset of knowing that okay some of this sustainability talk is uh kind of just political nonsense but i also know that there's a lot of profit value from you know this aspect of green energy so to speak or of energy efficiency so to speak so I like that a little bit, and uh, and that's what I'm doing on LinkedIn. But yeah, best practices was really just to have some kind of content to put out semi-regularly on LinkedIn, and then maybe uh, as a way to potentially develop, you know, develop some business to, to drum up some business for my own work. And you know, before we started recording, you, you, I appreciated what you, you kind of. Uh, you know, I interview a lot of people who have never been interviewed on a podcast before, so they don't, you know, maybe totally understand everything that's going on. So I always like to take the time and say, you know, hey, you know, yeah, you, we've got video and audio going here, but I'm only going to release the audio. Also, it's not being released live, so you know, we can do editing on the back end. So don't worry if you know you have a brain fart or something like that. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but also to kind of say, like, hey, the point of this thing is. To have a conversation and then for it to be basically a uh, free marketing for both of us. You know, I want you to, to, to sell your business or your services as best as you can to my audience. And at the same time, I've got, you know, now I've got another piece of content to put out to my audience. Um, so it's mutually beneficial there. And uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I, this, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. Leading into this, I didn't really know how it was going to go. I knew we were going to talk about best practices, and I knew we were going to talk about Scott Horton because I'm a fan of Scott Horton, and you know Scott Horton. And then you just happened to mention your faith side of it and that you'd been listening to our show a little bit and trying to delve into some of the stuff we're talking about. It's, I mean, it's probably a lot of what we talk about might be new to you, which is is cool. I mean, um, the fact that you took the time to listen is, is, is awesome to me. But the, 
the way this conversation just flowed, that's what we do with the, with this podcast. And we just let it flow and see where it goes, you know, and it always, it always somehow without fail comes back to Jesus at some point. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. I mean, we could have sat here and talked about best practices for an hour, maybe, but how was it going to get back to Jesus? Well, we, we were, we were able to do that at some point, or maybe Jesus just found his way into the conversation without us knowing Jesus was going to come into the conversation. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, Part of the thing that I've been maybe struggling a little bit with, you know, speaking to that, you know, the faith side a little bit is that I have been focusing so much over the past years on developing myself financially and trying to, you know, um, make investments and save money and and grow my bank account and, and grow wealth and whatnot. But then at the same time, I'm reading the Bible and, you know, they're talking about, you know, how the rich man has the hardest time getting to heaven kind of a thing. And so, you know, I, I, but at the same time, I also know that it's Christ-like to provide for your family and to be a good steward of, you know, the resources that God put here on earth and whatnot. Well, it just depends on what you're doing with that wealth. I mean, are you using that wealth just to, to build it up? I mean, you're not taking it with you or using it to provide for your family or re- love your neighbor and enemy at the same time. You know, there's, if you've got the resources to help somebody along the way, you, you know, you, you, you're a good steward of your money and somebody you see is hurting or could use some help, you know, even if it's just paying a lot bill or buying them some groceries or something, you know, helping your neighbor. That's what Jesus was talking about. I'm the whole rich man uh, conversation you were just talking about. I, I think it was more along the lines of the rich man was so worried about losing his wealth that he would not give it up to go follow Jesus. Now, if you, if you've got the wealth that you can give it up to follow Jesus and use this wealth to help people along the way. I mean, mm. you're doing that, man. You're, you're doing, you're doing the work mm. that Jesus wants us to be doing anyway. I mean, that's, that's what it boils down to love your neighbor, love your enemy. So don't, 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 don't overthink that too much is, is all I can say. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, like I said, the goal that my wife and I have is, you know, th- we need wealth to achieve that goal, but the goal is for, you know, the well-being of our children. It's also because, you know, she came to the U.S. Uh, from Kenya to go to to college. She, you know, she was a top performing student when she was growing up, um, and so she got a scholarship to come to university in the U.S. And and you know, when that happens, the expectation from you know family and friends and whatnot back home is that okay, you're going to be a career woman, you're going to get a job, you're going to be successful, and you're going to help your people back home. You're going to, you know, basically, you're going to change the world for us kind of a thing. Right. And so it's been kind of, we've become, you know, uh, I I can't say this enough, and you kind of, one of the episodes of yours that I was listening to, we were talking about it, but part of my transformation occurred when I got married. I mean, I was probably starting to go down the path of, you know, degeneracy and, and whatnot. And, getting married really saved me from that. I think not, you know, I, I, there was nothing ever, you know, I I hadn't really gotten out of control by any means, but, uh, it really did help me to, to refocus and her and I have really, really become one, you know, kind of how a marriage should be. Like we, we've got, we're, we're one mind, we're one goal. And so she was, she was able to see the vision of, not putting our children into daycare and you know homeschooling and not putting them in public school and maybe living a little bit lower standard of living so that we can you know benefit in the future and so you know that's that's part of what we're working towards and and you know in order to or I guess an, another aspect of being able to build that you know, whether it's a bicontinental lifestyle or, or, you know, going back and forth between Kenya and the U.S. periodically will require building sources of revenue, you know, sources of income, ideally in both countries. What our big goal is, is to create jobs in Kenya, um, you know, and, and I feel like kind of to your point of what you're doing with the wealth. And I, I feel like, Creating opportunity and creating jobs and and developing mutually beneficial economic uh, relationships and, and opportunities. I feel like that's 
I don't know. It should be Christ-like. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not as as deep <laughs> deep dived into it as as like you know, like we've been saying to to speak to a chapter and verse that would you know prove my point there. <laughs> it's a lot, man. And I'll I'll give you another piece of advice. Don't advice is is don't um, don't uh, burn yourself out on it. Just take it a little bit at a time. You know, you know, it's it, it's a journey, man. You're going to get to a point, and yeah. Then once you get to that point, you're going to get you're going to be like, well, there's something else, and you just just take it easy. You know, just don't don't rush into it. Don't overwhelm yourself with it, and just it it's all works out for the for the uh, for the greater good, anyways. When it comes to, to the stuff with Jesus, I mean, it's all like I, I've mentioned a thousand times on the show. He's got our best interests in, in mind, so. Just don't overwhelm yourself with it. Just take your time with it and and uh, don't overthink it either. I'll, I'll mention this too. And I told you before we started recording, we just started a new network, the uh, No King But Christ Network. And you, if, if you're interested, go check out nokingbutchristnetwork.com. And right at the time of this recording, we've only got three projects. It's the Bad Roman uh, Expedition 44 and Rival Nations. And you can go to this one hub and get all different kinds of content from from the Bad Roman, from Expedition 44, from Rival Nations. Or Rival Nations is not a podcast, it's just a blog, but they've got some fantastic articles. And any topic you want to want to learn more about, I'm, I'm pretty sure they've got something they've written about on there that you can go read. So, And that's a plug for the uh, new network as well. So before I let you go, why don't you uh, just go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug, and then uh, I'll let you get out of here and get back to your family. Yeah, there's there's really not much um, that I would plug at the, at this time. I mean, uh, um, I mean, best practices is is really my my main kind of public facing you know anything that I do. Um, but if anybody's interested in kind of reaching out directly to me, you know, my, my, my email is wall.jared at gmail.com. Um, it's pretty simple. I'd be happy to, to chat with people if, if they're interested, but, uh, I don't really have much in the way of something out there for people to follow, but you know, my podcast is, uh, is pretty interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's a very niche podcast, I think, but, um, you know, there's some really good content on, on there. And so, yeah, I would say best practices, and and other than that, you know, just just contacting me directly. And we can find your podcast on on any platform, or is it just insert just any podcast? Yeah, but it's it's all the major platforms. You know, folks, if you're listening to this and waiting on the next Bad Roman podcast to publish, go check out Best Practices. You're going to find some interesting content on there that, about some stuff that you may know about and some stuff you don't know about. But Jared, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, and this has been a cool conversation, man. I we talked about a lot of different things and it's, it turned into a really good conversation. I'm really pleased with, with how this went. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad Chris uh, suggested that we get together and, and maybe we can talk again sometime. Chris has got a big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Chris. Yeah. Of my, uh, of my episodes, I think I've got about 20 episodes out currently. The two longest ones are the two with Chris. <laughs> He can, he, he's got a motor mouth and sometimes you got to cut in and just get him to stop so you can get an, a word in edgewise, but we love him. After we press end on recording, then we, we talk for another hour after that. <laughs> you know? yeah, that, sounds, that sounds like Chris Pope. All right, man, I'm going to let you get out of here. I've got to uh, run and get, get ready for work, but I really do appreciate this. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about the Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. Thank you.